like she's right there in my ear Telling me that she wants to Welcome back. You are listening to a very special episode of the Keep the Change podcast because yet again, sitting across from me, I have my lovely, beautiful partner who tells me she really would like to do a podcast. And I said, well, if you would like to do that, you need to come up with a topic and tell me what it is. I let her do that and I'm sitting outside trying to get a little bit of D in me, a bit of vitamin D from the sun. And she runs out and she tells me, I've got it. I know exactly what we're going to do. The people need to know more about you and a bit about your softer side. Is that the summary, Taryn? Hey, 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 bay, bay, bay. Whoa, a bit of energy for the... Yeah, I brought some energy today. And yes, that is the topic that we are going to choose today. We're going to get closer. Hey, bit of Neo, closer. Okay. To you. Why do you think that's important for people out there? Um, Because I would think that listening to your podcasts, you might be a little bit misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. I know some, some of my friends say to me, oh, is he not like the busiest guy in the world? Um, Is he, is he or is he not? Is he? Is he the busiest person in the world? Oh, what? You said, is he not the busiest? What do you mean? Let's not just sit here. No, I'm just wondering what you mean by that. Your friends say to you, so are they saying that I'm like really busy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, derailed your thought there. Yeah. So there's probably perception about me something. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, there's there? probably a little bit of perception about you that you're just like this finance geeky nerd. And yeah, yeah there's probably a little bit more to you than that. Although that is like 100%, maybe 95% what you actually are. Okay. Yeah. Good. Right. Well, you've got a stack of questions there. Mm-hmm. By the sounds. And also on this, people have said to me they would like to know more about my story as such. And I don't know, I kind of feel like I weave that into the pod all the time. Yeah, I feel like there's a thousand podcasts where you can kind of find yeah. your story. Like when you go on other people's podcasts, you talk about your story. So Yeah, so I usually people direct people back towards the Between Two Beers podcast if they haven't listened to that. Yeah, so uh, this isn't what that's about. Good, let's roll. But, yeah. Okay, so these these questions are sort of like getting to know you on a different level. Maybe we'll just start off with just like some simple one. So what are your top three values, Luke? Top three values? And tell us a little bit why. Wow. Okay. Well, my number one value is output over input. So what that means to me is that if we can do more than what we so basically like give more than you get produce more than you consume and go above and beyond do more than what is expected and I think that if you can live towards that then things come back to you in levels that you didn't anticipate to start with now part of that comes from learning some time ago the best way to help yourself is to help others. And 
I think unfortunately we live in a world where a lot of people, I shouldn't say solely, but are probably hardwired to think mostly about themselves and their situation and how it is for them and whatnot. And we all get caught up in that. And people would probably think, well, you do that a lot. But if you can think about other people other than just yourself, then I think your own life gets better. So that is one of them. Yeah, so that's number one. That was the number one answer. Sorry, you're more succinct. These are very, no, it like is, asking someone what their values are. Yeah, is, yeah that's fine. Yeah. yeah you keep going. I can't just be like, oh, these Kaizen because fucking Toyota have it, you know, or integrity or whatever. Like there's bullshit things that people will say but aren't actually real. Anyway, so these are, this is things that I've sat down. Um and one is like dedication, so be dedicated to things, and that probably doesn't mean that. You know, it doesn't mean that. Sorry, I don't need to explain that one. That's probably very simple. And another one that will probably be, you know, I think a lot of people will be like scared to say is just the champ. I just want to be a champion, and that means to me that often people used to call me the champ. It was one of my nicknames, and for me. What that is about is basically being the champion in your chosen area and being willing to sort of work towards that level. Mm, Okay. So all three of them, input over up, dedication and the champ. Mm. There's all, like, work sort of comes into all of them. So were you just, like, born to work and be productive? Well, I didn't talk about work once and naming those values. So why does that... Well, you know, like work's a big part of all of them. Like if you want to do input over output, you can relate that to work. Dedication, yeah. you can relate that back to work and the champ. So you can relate that back to work as well. Yeah, I guess it comes back to chasing your potential yeah. and being respectful of the opportunities that you have mm. and doing shit, being productive, being a contributor, being a producer, not a consumer. But I think that you're right. Like work is my, it's my thing. It's my sport. I love it. And I have to find what those things are that I enjoy doing so that I can lend myself to them. Mm. So if I was in a job or work that I didn't like, I would feel com- my values would be conflicted. Mm. Okay. Okay. Makes yeah. sense? Yep. 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 You mentioned sport there. Let's take us back to when you're a little, a little nipper. Um, what sport did you play when you were young? I played cricket. And oh I only have about 40% vision in my left eye. So I'm instantly disadvantaged and part of a minority. And that makes it a lot harder for me to be good at cricket. Yeah. But I didn't choose that path to live in the rest of my life and think, well, why me? And I learned, well, this probably isn't going to be your thing, bro. Because when they bowl the fucking ball at you, it's really hard to see. And you suck at batting. And... As a young lad growing up, watching people be good at that thing, you would, you would feel, maybe I'm not like, why am I not good enough? Like, why, why do I have to bat tenth? Because this looks really fun, hitting the ball and getting fours and getting sixes and stuff, and I can't even fucking hit it. I can't see it. So as I got older playing cricket, I would, I just couldn't see them without bowling the ball quickly. But I liked bowling, um, so I'd have a crack at that. If anyone. Um, from Stratford or Eltham could be listening, they would be like, well, we actually, mate, you stood in for a fucking cricket team after years of not playing cricket, and I bowled an 18 ball over. Sure. Um, but, yeah, cricket, and then, again, realised not very good at that. 
well, not good enough to go a long way. And basketball, played basketball as well. And football, and football was my top three out of those. I was actually quite good at athletics as well. Running. Which one? Which which meant? Like more sort of 800 metres sort of thing. I, I wasn't very good at sprinting. Middle distance. Yeah. Mm. And... Yeah, I enjoyed that. So I did a bit of that. I can still remember being like nervy, going to athletics each time. Can picture news clipping of me uh, at athletics lining up on the start line. I think Simon Small kicked my ass for about the second, third, fourth time. I think the Small family occasionally listen to the pod, so they'll enjoy that. And yeah, soccer was the thing that I probably got to be the best at in my head. So I represented Danny Burke as a rep. And I've got a feeling I might have even like captained the odd game or something. But then went to Palmy Boys and realised very quickly, holy shit, I cannot mix it with these dudes and they are very, very good at this. Um, but I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the team part of it. And so I carried on playing football for a number of years of my life. Then I found the gym and I still do that and enjoy that. So I'd see that as a sport or I see that as a way to look after yourself. But I uh, hurt my back in the gym doing 22 kilos on the leg press and did a disc in my back. And that sort of, when I was just, I was moving to Auckland, I was just to get about to get back into playing football here. And I had to ring and say, hey, your star import can't come to training. Oh. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> did not care. Yeah. Yeah. And you also hurt yourself playing football, didn't you? Yes, I have hurt myself playing football a couple of times. Yeah. I did my hammy once, mm. playing a game for my Taranaki club and mum was like I've got the shot I've got it when your face is like wincing I'm like good yeah that's just the end of my season and then I tried to get back into some social type football uh, up here in Auckland and some person took me out and I landed on my shoulder and I instantly knew something was wrong and I'd done my PCL or ACL or fucking something man something with CL in it yeah and for the listeners out there I was actually at an establishment in Ponsonby that night, just just getting into my second beverage for the night, and I had not long started dating you, and you messaged me, hey, I think I've done my shoulder, and I was like, oh, okay, and you're like, yeah, can you come and take me to A&E, and I was like, oh, okay, this is relationships about. Yeah, this, mm-hmm. yeah, you weren't very impressed with that, were you? <coughs> I think you're a bit out of training. Yeah, just out of training, just wasn't used to thinking for someone else. Yeah, sorry myself. for really disrupting your evening that night. Yeah, it was fine. Okay, so you mentioned in cricket about your left eye. Yep. And when you were young, you used to wear an eye patch. Yes. Is that correct? Spot on, I did. Yeah. And were you you bullied for that, or was that just something that you got used to and you just embraced? So I wore an eye patch because the theory was that my left eye, so I wore it on my right eye, Mm. on my good eye, to try and strengthen up my left eye. Yeah. And it didn't work. But, you know, this is, it seems like a pretty practical solution. Let's try and make that one stronger. I don't recall, like I don't have trauma of being bullied by that. How old were you? I think I might have been around six maybe, Mm -hmm. around that age. But I'm fairly sure Sister Kay, my sister, Reminds me of, yes, I was bullied. <laughs> Whether that just be by family or at school. Maybe I would go crying to school or something maybe. But yeah, I don't feel like I have been, well, I don't hold any of that trauma if if I did. Okay. 
but I probably was. I mean, I would you bully someone that's wearing a fucking eye patch? Like, I recall age, there was someone that wore an eye patch. It was a young girl, but I think we were all okay with it. It was well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. but you say it hasn't affected you, but it kind of has in a way because you wanted to fly planes or helicopters or one of them. Yeah, I think growing up, I was fascinated by the Air Force. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I could pass the tests to actually be flying a mm. jet. Worked out good for me because we don't even have any jets in New Zealand anymore. So yes. probably was my body telling me, mate, you're going to pick the wrong path anyway. But then that kind of took me away from that area of thinking, oh, maybe that's what I want to do with my life. But I was fascinated by the Army and by um, the Air Force, not so much the Navy. And I watched a lot of that stuff. I would watch the training drills and yeah fascinating okay cool um and then just touching on your childhood where we're still here is there any memories that instantly spring to life for you um any memories that spring to life I was going to tell one but yeah I don't know like well yeah okay so I guess like my parents separated early yeah. for me and that's probably been you know, a big part of how my life has then turned out different to some people. But I have to be careful how I word things like that because I know that they listen to this and I don't want them to think, well, what is he trying to say? Um, but I was talking to this this with my sister when I was over there the other weekend and I said, we're very lucky that that happened for us now looking back because look at all the shit that we've been through and that at the time we were, um, you know, working through and trying to figure out why is our life different to other people and, and blah, blah, blah. But now you kind of, you're going through your own versions of hurt. And you notice that later on in life you can actually, it's really powerful to be able to leverage off of hard times and to go through that. And also so many people face the exact same situation and they were just things like you know spending time between um your both both sets of parents and then just like the way they would do that and then I got then new grandparents effectively and a new mother a new father so you have I've been blessed I guess with so many different parenting strategies and whatnot and I think that's probably given me, it's made me so curious just about how everyone does things from my mum and then the life she built out through to my dad and the way that they built their life out and me to kind of go, well, hang on, because I think a lot of people just try and repeat what their parents did and think, okay, I just need to do the same thing because it's worked out pretty well for me. I've sort of looked at it and gone, what was all, like, what's all that about? What, and try and make my own decisions and stuff. So I think that's, yeah, a big part. And then obviously like meeting you has been insightful again because of you and then a lot of your friends, all their parents are still together. And I'm mind-blowing, a lot of them, not all of them. And I'm like, whoa. And so then I get to ask you about like, what was your life like? Because I just, I don't, I don't have that lens because I didn't get to go through it. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And you're very lucky. Like you've got two great sets of parents, although I didn't get to meet Derek, but. Yeah, I think it's great. You've got like um, additional family members and that's awesome. Mm. 
I definitely don't need any additional family members <laughs> in my family. There's all already enough in there. You have so. got a big family, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay. And families are very important to both of us, isn't it? Yeah, in different ways. In different ways, yeah. Okay. And what's your love language, Luke? To give or to receive? Uh, to give. To give? I'll be commenting on this <laughs> too. I know that I like to receive acts of service and then because I'm not self-aware enough, I default into giving like that, thinking that that is showing love mm. without appreciating that that is not the way to show love. For me? Well, probably, yeah. Well, clearly for you, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, acts of service is so annoying for, I shouldn't say so annoying, it's probably the hardest one for me to give. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you always have to be thinking, oh, what can I do? But I'm pretty good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, you do acts of service, and I, like my mum, she is the queen of acts of service. Yeah. So you do them and it's great, but it's it's been a part of what I've grown up with, having acts of service done for me. So I just really, it's great that you're my new servant. <laughs> that is sometimes how it seems. Sometimes, like I've gotten better at just accepting that you actually can't see what I've done for you. And this will sound really bad, but you will just, I haven't done enough. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. But I just laugh about it now. As an example, the other day. Oh, gosh. You know, you are a queen of uh, doing half of the washing, which I'm sure we've talked about. And I'll go, okay, I fucking do not want to be hanging out your washing, but I will do it. Not all the time, but sometimes. But I, I, I don't do the folding. Your mum, that, that's your job. You put your washing on, you did half of it, I'll hang, I'll do it, I'll get it dry. But sometimes you'll do the whole job and you'll put it outside to dry. And my brain goes... You know, this this woman is going to get home at 6.30 p.m. and it's going to be cold. And therefore, her clothing is going to be cold and not dry again. I'm like, why would she do that? So I will think, okay, look, it's 4 p.m., be a GC, go and get it in. And I'll get it in and I'll bring the whole clothes horse in. And I'll think I'll put it right by her bed and then she can sort it when she gets home. <laughs> and then I'm like, bro, just be a better guy, like be a better human, just go above and beyond. I'm like... Okay, I'll take it off the clothes horse. And then, oh, these pair of pants are still kind of uh, wetish. And sometimes I might even put it away for you. Very seldom. That would be like 1%. I, I did uh, this week, but you didn't even, you probably didn't even know. Anyway, let me finish this. You get home and you've got your washing to do. And then you're like, why the fuck is this clothes horse in here? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man. It was right beside my bed. Yeah, I'm thinking, wow, oh, no, like, oh, how did this get in here? Well, all of my clothes are now dry. If I had, yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's challenging for us, but I've gotten better at just knowing that we um, look at those things completely differently and it's and it's okay. Yeah, completely differently. Like there's yeah. nothing that winds me up more than when I've been away for a weekend and I come home and my socks and my underwear is sitting on top of the dresser rather than inside the drawers. But that's okay. I know that you just... Won't put my washing away. And in my head, I'm like, wow, she's left all of this dirty washing behind this weekend and I'm home. What I'll do is I'll be a GC and I'll wash it all for her. But you don't see that, but you're like, what the hell? 
Why is all this sitting here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess because if you went away, it would be put back in the drawer. But anyway, we're not going to get into this um, stuff. But um, we will keep going on love languages because mine is quality time. I love to just um, hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this goes back to what I touched on at the start where – you might be perceived to be the busiest person, but to me, you're really not. Um, you're very good at prioritizing, and yeah, how do you do that? Because quite often, there's probably like one or two nights a week that you don't get home till like I don't know seven, eight o'clock. Nine, yeah. Nine. This is this the season time of the year? Yeah. Yeah. But the rest of the the rest of the week, you're home pretty much by the time I walk in the door, which is like six six thirty, and you're often the last one out the door as well. So, how come you're so good at like doing so much, but then being home and being present for me? Well, I wouldn't say I'm great at it in terms of like being present all the time. Like I've definitely I try and I. Sometimes I'm like, oh, we might get about to get in trouble here. But, you know, there will be times where I'm like, you know what, I don't want to just have some chit-chat with you about fucking something that doesn't interest me. I'm going to go do something, do some work or whatever. But that, I guess that's not really the question, but I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm not amazing at that all the time. I think it's a decision, and you've got to decide how to do it. I mean, I could do an entire pot on this, but basically we live five minutes from the office. So I got rid of the commute because it's one of the only things that I did that made me feel anxious because I could be doing shit but I'm stuck in traffic and so I was like okay how can I remove that out of my life the supermarket is down to our right you take care of most of that the gym is a place that I go to most days at least five times out of seven days so therefore I need that close and I can walk to it and I sort of look at it as being in my backyard so what I did is I designed where I live to try and kill all of the things that were making me inefficient. And that was going to the supermarket, going to the gym and going to work. Because those are the three things in a big city in Auckland that basically I did the most that killed my time. And so that was that's a big part of getting the time back. Then I live by my calendar, die by my calendar. I have parameters set in it when people can book into it, when I'll take meetings, when I won't take meetings. Um, so basically you just find tools that make your life easier. Kind of, but I also, when I like get up, for instance, if I know the dishwasher has been done, I'm like bang, I'll start my day with work. I see that as work. I'm like undoing the dishwasher. I don't see that as a chore that I begrudge. I'm like, that's my first, I'm straight into it. I'm producer, I'm doing shit. Whereas people would be like, fuck bro, you're just doing the dishwasher. I'm like, no, no, that is a task today. And that is out of the way. So I'm starting my rhythm and then sometimes I'll get straight into some, but normally when I get up, I basically make a coffee, sit down at my laptop, right? Yeah. And then I do some shit to make sure that I'm productive. Then I go, cool, now I'm going to go. And so I might do a little bit of writing, for instance, or just tidy some work stuff up. And then I go, okay, now I'm going to go work on myself, go to the gym. And then I might go up to the office. Um, but overarching all of that as well is that I probably learned how highly inefficient I was. And when I started to look at successful people and people that were doing a lot, it made me realize how much we are actually capable of, but we get told that you'll burn out and you work so hard. It should only be nine to five. What, why are you doing that? 
um, eight hours is so it's such a long draining day blah 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 and so you get conditioned to think oh yeah fuck what I noticed is the busier I got and when I was doing things I wanted to be doing I could do a lot of shit and I can also do I can juggle a lot of balls in the air and jump between them which I think is a bit of a skill set and sometimes I have to go back through six windows in my brain to be like how did I get to this what was it that I was working on and I've just gotten better than that do I make mistakes of course I do but that is probably a bit of an insight as to how so I've had to sort of learn it and study it a bit okay cool and what's your most significant life lesson or personal transformation moment or time in your life and how did it shape you like when I think about this I think of when I moved to London yeah the two years over there were really challenging and they they did change me in so many different ways from a work perspective um I made like a really tight-knit group of friends I gained more confidence in so many areas of my life but what Mm. is it for you it's probably I would say my brain goes straight to it was business so quitting my job and and going on my own journey but then when you say that it sort of steps back before that where I was in the Naki, or you're not supposed to say that anymore apparently, in Taranaki, and I um, decided to leave. Now, I had a very good life there. I had things that everybody would want in their life, and it was easy, and it was great. But I knew that I hadn't really, apart from meeting a partner that took me there, that I probably wasn't supposed to be there. So to finally go, right, I'm going to go to Auckland and just see, you know, what that's like, it's hard to explain, but it's kind of backing yourself to think, right, I'm going to walk away from the dream Kiwi life and what's easy and go and figure out what else is out there for me. And I remember driving from leaving my town to, to Auckland and I was sort of crying, just thinking, fuck, what am I doing? And people were asking me like, bro, like we look up to you. Why, what are you doing? Like, why are you going? You've got everything. You've got things that like we want. And I'm thinking, like, oh, it's just not enough for me. But I knew deep down that I was destined for more stuff and and to do more things. And so I think... uh probably like not a lot not a lot of people would probably have that level of self-confidence or belief in themselves or maybe they do but to actually take action on it and go and do it it's easy now to look back and be like thank god I did that you know I wouldn't have well I wouldn't have done a number of things that I do and and met you and just you know all those little things that then become your ordinary life that you take for granted but I had to take a risk on myself and then I still knew in my employment job I'm like this isn't like this ain't it, I was fucking sadder there, unhappier there than I was in the Naki, and so that's my body telling me, you've got half the decision right, mate, but the other half is wrong. And so when I finally quit my job to try and build a business, I was so full of myself that I could. this would be a piece of piss. 
and then I got to get into the grind of it and be like, oh wow, this is way harder than I realized. But then luckily I'd conditioned enough to go, well, it's not about quitting, it's about like, how do I make this work? What can I learn? Is this the opportunity? What else can I be doing? And now we fucking grind. Interesting. And to get out the other side of that, we're building things that you could see in your head in the future and to have them and to build them is a, like no one can take that from you and it's that's just does so much for your confidence. Yeah. And then you get to take that into other ventures as well. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's interesting how both those transformative changes within our life came from moving from small towns to big cities. And this is this is something that we often talk about and it's nothing against those small towns because often we we talk about like our childhood and I'm like, oh, I have no idea how you meant to grow up in a big city and my childhood was like amazing growing up on a farm and then you always talk about Palmy Boys and the opportunities that it gave you. Mm. But it's just interesting that that point in our life was so trans- transformative for both of us. Yeah, I guess it does something massively for you to get out of, because you're changing, I have a saying, change your environment, change your results. And I mean, look at this weekend, we've come to the beach to relax and yeah. we we're talking about how relaxing it's actually been because yeah. we've changed our environment and then it makes us realize that our apartment is always humming and there's shit going on there's the senses are just mm, fucking overload you get up here and i'm like whoa it's dead silent we can hear the birds chirping so you change your environment change your results and i think a lot of people want to move out of where they live or go somewhere else but that's a very daunting thing to do and yeah i'm no you know, disrespect to my town either. I, um, yeah, don't begrudge anybody that decides to stay and do those things. I just felt like I had things bigger inside me that I had to have a crack at. And you've got to, got to go where the energy is and that's probably Auckland for someone like myself and, and maybe so for yourself too. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything that you've always wanted to learn and achieve but haven't been able to or put it off? And this, like I know we talked about you wanting to be a pilot before. We're we're not talking about that. This is now. Is there anything that you're currently putting off? Um, that I'm currently putting off? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Um, in terms of like building something, I think it would be great to have an event around getting better at business. And, and building that out. And then I look at it and go, well, like zero try and do that. These other people try and do it. What's why? But I just like um, helping people have breakthroughs in the things that they need to learn about. And for some reason, I I, I know why I don't do it because I know how fucking hard it's going to be and how much energy it's going to take. It's basically like trying to build a business with it inside a business. Because I now have the knowledge of building an event from zero people to 850, I know how hard that is and how much you have to push and how much energy that takes. And I think, shit, that's yeah. a that's a five-year commitment. And so that's probably like a little bit of that. Do I have anything that I want to learn that I'm not Yeah, learning? well, or just, just one second. If there's any event managers, planners out there. Well, I reached out to one actually. Yeah. What I'm not good at is figuring out what to tell them to do because I kind of want them to do the drive and the energy bit. And if they're like, oh, we could do a couple of social media posts, I'll be like, no, 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 we need to do 20. We need to do 20 yeah. in 10 days. 
And okay, Sorry. so here we're getting somewhere. So do you think this restricts you from reaching out to for help and like delegating these sort of jobs because they're not going to do it to the level that you would do it? I know that better. Um, but I know I'd do the volume mm. faster. And yeah, yeah, probably a bit of that. I mean, I've tried to delegate some things that you would know. And yeah, probably got. Yeah, I'm probably not a great hirer, for instance. Well, I know that's not fair because I've got some very, I've got a very good team. But I am sort of like, you'll do, perfect. I can teach you, but I don't have the fucking time to teach someone, so that's unfair. Yeah, on them. Yeah, you need someone that knows it and can come in at your level and hit the ground running. Okay. Mm. What do you get out of doing these podcasts? I have become better at writing articulating my thoughts I think that learning is really good for your brain so I this forces me to learn and that probably helps me avoid some of the mental challenges that other people face I'd like to think it does anyway I like to be in my circle of excellence and part of that is or like a flow state some people may call it and I like to build, so to turn in building to me is basically I've got an idea to write about how students are impacted by inflation at the moment, for instance, and that's something we we're just talking about over breakfast. I come home and I'm like excited to try and get those that line of thought out of my head and into um, something that people can read and go, oh, that makes sense, yeah, wow. So then I can teach people to look at things from a different angle, and then I can look at things from a different angle by talking to different people and I, I really enjoy that part about it to try and test me not just to think the way that I think. Yeah and you genuinely do get excited by people right and you read every single message that you receive from listeners or followers or clients. Yeah and better still I try to reply to them and as respond, well. Yeah yeah it's, and sometimes it's really draining because people not draining, but it's challenging because people will bring me, they're like at a crossroads of their life and they're like, hey man, just keen to get your opinion on this. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And that's scary because I don't know them, et cetera, et cetera. And we've done a pod on that, but I sometimes I'll send audio back. But yeah, I think I just, yeah, I like to inspire Kiwis to realize that there is a better, this country is actually really good and it, life isn't as hard here as needs to be, but we some, for some reason, basically push people into that in yep. some ways. And I think Keep the Change is about trying to explain to people it doesn't have to be like that. Here are some of the tools that have worked for me, for other people. Here are some of the other ways to view things. And I needed this shit as well to quit my job and to move cities and blah, 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 to have people planting seeds in my head that, wow, you know, life could look different, but I'm going to have to change something. And you might not be ready for a year, two years, three years, but by the time you're ready, much like me quitting my job, I'm like, I'm fucking ready, baby. I've been preparing for this for three years in my head. I'm I'm sweet from next week. And the next week, I'm like, oh, God, I am, fuck, what have I done? Yeah. But then I go on the journey. Yeah. Okay. Any, what have I taught you this year or in the last four years? Anything that I've taught you? Well, my life's never been better. Oh yeah, but I feel like I've told you that. It's, it's just nice to hear. Yeah, 
but I think about that and how um, it's calmer, it's more structured. I've never achieved more. Oh, so good. there has to be a correlation. I can't just be like, oh, well, you just came along at the perfect time and everything was about to go start going right for me. So, you know, the immature version of me probably would think that at times. Then I'm like, well, actually, hang on. This this probably isn't coincidence. I've found the right partner um, and then I've been able to achieve a lot more. So there has to be some sort of correlation there. But you're very supportive of me. Probably patient is the word. You'll challenge me at times, a lot of the times, to be fair. But you will actually challenge things that I'm going to do or ways that I'm approaching something. So you've opened my perception. I've then had access to your family and the way that you guys do things. And that's been fun to just see a different, you know, way that, that a family does things. And... You've taught me how to say sorry and thank you. I've heard sorry twice in four years, I think. <laughs> Once was this year. I can actually recall them because uh, it's so few and far between. They didn't go down well. Whoops. Oh. But what is that about then? Okay, so why, how have I taught you to say sorry? Well, you obviously haven't if I've only said it <laughs> twice. Yeah, I guess for context, sometimes within my family, we'll just have like a if we're having an argument, we'll have an argument. We'll walk out the room and then we'll walk in, walk in, back in the room five minutes later and we'll just be like, okay, so what are we What are we getting for lunch? Yeah. And word sorry doesn't often get said. Um, yeah. There was actually a time, I don't know if I've told you this, but basically where you did have an argument with your family and your mum was like siding with you after you'd been tearing shreds off them and was like, oh, there's no need for her to apologise. And I was like, oh, excuse me, like, actually there is. It's like, she shouldn't speak to you like that. That's not acceptable, basically. And they were sort of like, oh, no, no, it's, it's fine. And I'm like, what do you mean it's fine? This isn't this isn't how we speak to each other. That's just how we roll. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah. But now that I've been with you, sometimes when you have a blow up and they don't say sorry, I'm like, why the fuck did I just yeah. say sorry? Like, yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. I got sidetracked. What were you we talking about? What have I learned from you? Yeah, what have you Yeah, I just did. Yeah, yeah okay. Cool. And how do you balance your need for independence and my need of neediness? Oh, gosh, that is tricky. Um, I'm pretty upfront about it, eh? Like, I'm quite rude to you sometimes, but I think you've got a better accepting, you know, where you might be like, I just need to play with you right now. And I'm like, I'm fucking in the middle of something, just not right now. I just you. need to play with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you just want to pester me or poke me or do something, and I I'm just like, I just want to hang out, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah you want some quality time, and I'm yeah. like, I'm in the zone. Yeah, there's a lot of times where you're like, I'm working. Yeah, I'm at the then, free throw line. And then sometimes I'll be working, and you're like trying to talk to me, and I'm like, oh, I cannot hear you right now. Yeah, yeah, you just don't listen. You're like, this is me nodding head in background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think we try and well, as we spent more time together, we've better understood each other as well. It gets a bit easier. Yeah. Okay, um, so I'm probably going to wrap this up unless there's anything that you feel like the listeners need to know. Or maybe sleep. Should yep. we touch on sleep? Mm-hmm. Sleep's been an interesting one because it's probably, yeah, people probably don't understand how much sleep you get and how um, important. how important it is to you. Um. So talk them through that 
Okay. So I used to think that I could be a hero that could get up at 4 a.m., I could get home at 9, I could go to bed at 10, sit on my phone for half an hour, go to sleep, be asleep by 11.30, get up at 4.30 the next day, drive into the city, go to the gym, and rinse and repeat, and do that, and the whole like, oh, I could fucking operate on four hours sleep, or five hours, or six hours, and oh, that's all I need, and stuff like that. Then someone was like, oh, yeah, well, so what data do you have to back that up? And I'm like, well, I just know, like, I know my body, blah, 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 and like, oh, well, that's just, you're full of shit. And they're like, the less you sleep, the higher the chances that you'll make mistakes, that you'll get fucking sick, that you will, all these different things. And there's data to support this. Do you want the, I'm like, no, I don't know. No, no. Whoa, 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 hang on. You're just root, like, this is my fucking, this is my truth. I've built this. Don't come and bring me your scientific papers and stuff. And what I realized, well, what I was sort of learning is that I think people think that when you're busy to get more shit done, then you just, that's one variable that you can squeeze and so you can sleep less. And we think, and we get taught, you know, just sleep one less hour, which is sweet. You can do that for a time period. But then the other half of that is like, well, why can't you manage to do everything in the time that you are awake? Why do you need to, if your body needs to be asleep, has a natural rhythm, why do you need to interrupt that just because you can't get shit done whilst you're awake. Perhaps you can't get it done whilst you're awake because you can't perform to the standard you could to because you're not sleeping enough. And I'm thinking, well, that's just fucking blowing everything that I've ever known. So then I went down a path of, okay, how can I sleep better? And this, you know, I'll save this from being a long-winded answer, but same as meeting you, my life has not been better and felt simpler and I'm more in control of shit than when I started putting some time into, oh, maybe I should prioritize my health. You know, I would be like, I'm going to get up early and get less sleep so that I can make sure I go to the gym. Now I'm the other way of, well, maybe I have to miss the gym that day because I need to sleep so that I can perform well. Now that means that I've lost some muscle mass and there's always things that change on the other side of that. But you can't, operate at a peak level by fucking off your body and f- until you have the data to know what you need then it is tricky and unfortunately for me I'm not one of those people who can lay down and go to sleep and then just sleep right through and wake up the next night and it's now like me yeah so you know that's but people will be listening to this be like oh okay what am I like but I you know last night for instance we beat me to bed at 9 p.m and we woke up this morning at 7. Now that is 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's 10 hours that we're asleep for. I didn't even get 8 hours sleep. So I was... Because you have a ring that tells you this, right? Yeah, so I can track I don't know, it. I don't know how accurate the ring is because... But I feel amazing today and yeah. really good yeah. because I got close to 8. But as soon as I start dipping under 7, then I'm like, ah, fuck. And then why this becomes important is because the days that I get 8... Like yesterday, for instance, I had a great sleep Friday night. I was at peak creativity and I said to you, and I wrote two money mails in like 15 minutes. Bang, done. But if I am not performing and that's impacted by sleep, then I that they take me an hour each easily sort of thing. So, so yeah. your nightly routine 
I don't know, brush your teeth about eight. You'll turn all the lights off at like eight thirty. So Try we have to dim to, down. So yeah. We have to live in a house with no lights on, which is really frustrating when you're trying to put your washing away because Luke hasn't done it earlier. <laughs> then you'll be in bed and you're like, okay, I need to be asleep by nine. And then I usually get up about like between six and seven, but I have to do it all in the dark. <laughs> In silent and silently because Mr. Snooze is still snoozing. Yeah. So at the moment, for instance, as well, I don't even set an alarm. You know, I just wake up when my body wakes up. But it's usually if I'm not drinking, because that's the thing that fucking completely throws out your circadian rhythm and whatnot, I am waking up usually between the same time block. Yeah. But that, yeah, that, that's been something that I've played with. And also, yeah, that will all change. People will be like, oh, good luck, mate, once you have kids. And yeah, okay, I get that. But for now... My, oh shit, that's an area of my life I didn't know about, didn't have the information, didn't try and um, optimise. And so then I've gone on a, a journey of doing a bit of that and it's had great results for me. Cool. But then interestingly, people are like, oh, you look tired, man. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've, I've tried to get you all sorts of serums and night creams and whatnot. Yeah, if anyone's um, got a good routine out there, see yeah. how. Anything that diminishes those wrinkles. Or Botox, you know? Like, it's it's all good to get Botox. Yeah. Okay, that's all from me. Wow, nice. So, thanks for being open and vulnerable. And thanks for being such an important person in my life. And I can say that my life has got better over the last four years. And I've definitely learned a lot about myself. And my character and my traits and all my negative aspects to me and all the positive things that's about good. me. Well, that's good. Yeah. Before we go then, how would you... Oh. Well, how would you... What do you think are things that people don't know about me? Because you basically said at the start, people may like assume things or have a perception. What do you think may not be true that people may think to be? Or how would you... Yep. Wouldn't say that you're the busiest person because... As you've just discussed, that you know, like you um, prioritize and you are so efficient and effective when you are working um, that you don't need to be at work 24 7. There was something else that popped up in my brain then. What was the question again? Just maybe perceptions that aren't realistic or, or how you would describe me. You see the geek at the start, cop that, you know. Oh, no, you definitely, feel? you definitely. A geek, like when you talk about presence, like I have to sit beside you sometimes when you've got your phone on, and then I'm just like, What the fuck is he looking at? And it's always interest.co.nz. I'm like, How can he just sit there actively relaxing, reading interest.co.nz? Like, that has to be the one of the most boring websites. And I'm like, How do they constantly put up stuff on there that you don't already know? Like, how do you learn? Is it, like, by repetition or how do you learn? Part of it, but I often on there there will be different things that are going on, but also people will comment. These older people that have been through recession recycles, economic cycles, etc. I'm often interested in what they do yeah, and what they say and how they see the country because they've lived longer than me. They may be more knowledgeable, and I think, oh, okay, I don't know about that, or then I'll go down. Yeah, but I, I guess because I like that stuff, I find it easy to yeah to want to learn about and it. I think that's probably a, a thing that I would comment on. Like, people might sit there and think, "Oh, like 
Luke, this guy's real smart and that and like I'm not taking anything away from you. You definitely are smart and intelligent. But sometimes you do stuff and I'm like, why are you doing it like that? And you're like, oh, I just got to get it done and this is the way I'm going to do it and then I'll go from there. So you'll start things, get it done, and then you'll go back and change things. Yeah. Um. So you, you're definitely not a perfectionist. No, definitely not. Yeah. No. I'm an executor over perfection. I make mistakes yeah. all the time. I don't even spot them sometimes, but that's worked for me. And yeah. once I got over people saying that's wrong, yeah. The start was like, fuck, man, I'm wrong. Like, you get told, you tell someone they're wrong instantly, your body is like, man, I got told that at school, I get told that at home, or whatever, you're getting triggered. Yeah. I got to outgrow that and realize, like, oh, yeah, fuck. You know, there's yeah. a reel at the moment that says, is the housing market broken? And it says, is it balkan? And everyone's commented and saying, yeah. And people say to me, dude, and I'm like, well, I don't even do that, but I need to give the feedback back to the people that do get it wrong. But I just punch it, I'm like, sweet, let's roll. Yeah. So just touching on that intelligence what were your grades at school oh look I am not the smartest you're right you know I was in third grade at my school uh sorry like third stream so I wasn't in the top tier I tried to do the um the next level of exams in seventh form I can't remember what they call those in NCA like absolutely no chance did not pass those I was very disciplined and dedicated to studying and learning and stuff but I am a I'm an achiever slash merit sort of dude with a sprinkled in with an excellence yeah. Here and there, but do you want to touch on your ethical knowledge? Ah uh, shit, man. <laughs> okay, so part of part of <laughs> Let's your, be let's be vulnerable here. Yeah, yeah. This, We've got something in common, don't we? Yes, part of your chartered accounting study, there is a portion of it that is about ethics and that is I don't know, I thought it was compulsory to pass, but maybe it isn't. I think no, it is in the first yeah, in the first time. To sit at, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I should tell the story because I feel like it incriminates me. What? <laughs> I feel like it incriminates me. You've passed it since. Yes, <laughs> but someone might be like, oh, okay, well, I'm a loser. I might go and... Long story short, I had all... You have open book exams and some of these exams and stuff, and basically I got into the exam. The printer at my office had run out of ink, and I didn't have the back, like, three pages of this legislation or whatever... And I'm saying to the person before the exam starts, because you can go through the questions 10 minutes before it starts or 15 or something. And I'm thinking, man, I know all these answers. I am fucking on here. And I'm like, cool, I need to get my references ready. And I think, oh, shit. I'm like, where the fuck is this? And I realize, I'm like, oh, man, this goes up to page like 60, but I've only got up to about page 56. And so I ask the people, you're allowed to talk before the exam starts. I'm like, can I go? to back to my office real quickly and get these and they were like well you've got to be back here in 10 minutes or whatever you probably no chance and so basically long story short someone a couple behind me is like obviously everyone's like oh fucking hell this poor guy he's not actually going to have the information he needs to be able to clock this but you know accountants are like oh well who cares if i can sucks for him but someone a couple behind me they did the question first to get it out of the way and then bang ripped off the last couple of pages and had it down on the old ground ski. I didn't uh, tell you this one. No, yeah, I didn't know this and I'm like, story. I'm like, oh, like sort of halfway through, I'm just getting a bit of a rush, have a stretch, look at them. I'm like, oh shit, someone's dropped their papers, and I was sort of like, oh, you know, waving them back towards the person who I think may have dropped them, and they're like pointing at me. I'm like, oh, what's up now, baby? Here's page fucking fifty-seven through to sixty. Let's go. So, dusted that bit of it, and I think I failed the question anyway. <laughs> And then everyone would joke, like, well, bro, like, no wonder, mate, you fucking 
half by sort of cheating in the exam, mate. You didn't even have your prep ready. You should have been checking that the 60 pages went there. Basically something like that. Or I think maybe even second one, I might have, yeah, I failed the ethical part and it became like a bit of a gag taking the piss out of me that I wasn't very ethical. <laughs> but yeah, that's a bit of light, light-hearted banter from back in the day. Oh, karma, karma. Yeah. Oh, yes, well... Chartered accountancy exams aren't that fun either. I failed by myself. But hey, yeah. look where we both are now. So That's right. Yeah, learning curves and um, big, big learning curves for me, actually. A chapter in a book this morning that I'm reading is a 100-year-old book, and I've been telling Taz about it this weekend. And I think equally she's like, why are you reading books from 100 fucking years ago? But one of them is about how people mistake <laughs> defeat for failure. And not passing that exam is actually a defeat. It's not failure, but in, we've gotten so used to telling people that they're failures or that that's a fail or whatever, that people are so scared of it, and we then go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, shit, I'm a failure, but actually we need defeats to keep us on our toes and moving forward to bank those lessons to ensure that we improve the next time, and then obviously for you, you know, you passed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. if you had have said, okay, I'm a failure, that means I'm done forever now with this, well, imagine what your life would be like. Yeah. It was a pretty tough time because it was a six-hour exam. Yeah. They don't even do that anymore. And so to do the research, I had to study all through summer, which is first-world problems. But when you've been through a six-hour exam and you fail it the first time, it's pretty hard to get yourself back to a place where you want to pass it. And I was also the only one within the accounting firm that failed. So I held – I just – yeah, I – I had a bit of trauma with that, actually, until I worked through a couple of years ago, even to the point that I wouldn't listen to Taylor Swift because the day that I failed the exam was the same day that I flew to Auckland and went to a Taylor Swift concert. But now I'm back. I'm loving Taylor Swift, and it's all, it's all positive. Just been to Era's tour last week. So I think we can wrap it up on that, actually. I was about to say, actually, something positive came of it. You fucking gave up on Taylor Swift, but actually, no, now you're back in there. You didn't go to the tour. You went to the movie. Yeah, the Era's tour, the oh, okay, movie. sorry, I of the lingo well maybe that teaches somebody that's listening that it's okay and and if you've been hurt by failing or failure or whatever you've turned it in your head to go and you know do the work to understand how why it impacts you so much and how to let go of it yeah because you don't want to carry that shit forever yeah and I carried it for what probably oh seven eight years mm. which is a long time I remember when you first told me about it and you were um it was like, I was like, whoa, man, here we go. What's this going to be? Real vulnerable telling me. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a bit like Conor McGregor when he was about to fight Money Mayweather and Money Mayweather's got a bag and it's apparently full of cash and he opens it and he's like, Conor McGregor's like, is that fucking it? That's about fucking five grand in here. I was thinking, what the hell is that it? It's like, who cares if you found it? I'm like, well, you clearly must have passed it after. But to you, it was a big part of your life, right? And I think the bit that you touched on too that would be hard for everybody is that you've got to go through the everyone in your office knows. Hey, how'd you go? Did you get your results? Yeah, but it's, it's really interesting because after it happened, I think it was... Like it definitely like threw me, but then when I went back to work the following week, like I got called into one of the partners' office, and the first thing that he said to me was like, "Don't worry about it, I found mine." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, this is not like the telling off that I thought I was going to get, oh, yeah. and they were really supportive of like putting me back through it. But I think it was more me personally, and mm. yeah, probably see myself as a failure still. 
Um, still. No, no, like at that time. At that time, yeah, not still. Say, we yeah. got some work to do. Yeah. yeah. All these things happen for us for a reason. Yeah. And we can take something good from all of them. So. Yeah. And now, now I quite like it because now I can like talk to people when they're like stressed about about exams or you know like I've reached out to my little cousin that was going through the same thing and she's real stressed out and she's getting her exam results and I was like honestly if you fail it's definitely not the end of the day me and Luke like, I've failed our exams so yeah you know yep you get there yeah yeah get there well, well that was fun Hopefully, yeah, I mean, did you enjoy that? Yeah, it's probably nothing at all financial in there, but uh, that's probably what it should be like. Because yeah, but it wasn't meant to be about that. No, we could touch on financial stuff. No, nah, they'd probably take another hour. Yeah, exactly. Oh well, thank you for that. That's been fun to sit down and discuss some of those things. Have you learned anything? Did any of those answers surprise you? There was something that I did learn. Can't remember. Wrap it up. All right. Five star review on the way up. Cheers to Taz for jumping back on the pod. What are you laughing at? Nothing. Oh, she's done. She's, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's how you know she's checked out. <laughs>